cannot come in my life and steal something that Jesus has given me as if he can take the blessing such that, you know, I may go out and if I have uh, someone gives me a gift of uh, $1,000 and I, I put it somewhere in my house or whatever, someone can break in and steal that gift from me, overpower me, rob me, come when I'm not there and steal it away from me. They take the gift. Satan has no ability to take away the gifts of God. What he wants to do and must do, therefore, is separate you from the gift. He can't separate the gift from you, but he can separate you from the gift. And that is by getting in your life, getting you to turn your back on God, getting you to forget what God has done for you, to get you to turn away from the Lord. That's the way the devil was able to get Israel. He can never get God to curse Israel. He can never get God to go against Israel, but he can get Israel to go against God. And then when Israel's went against God, then God was going to step in and bring judgment. So I, I, that may seem to be a little technical difference, but it's such that there's a lot of people talk about, you know, how I was there. The devil came in my life and he stole this from me. That's just absurd, okay? If you live in Christ and you stay in Christ and you're faithful to Christ, the devil can't take anything from you. Because to do so, he's got to overpower Christ and he can't overpower Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So he can't steal the things that Christ has, that Christ possesses, and Christ is making real in your life. As long as you're submitted to Christ, you're safe in Christ, and, and the devil cannot overpower Christ, and therefore he cannot overpower you. But what he can do is get us to doubt Christ. What he can do is get us not to focus on what Christ has given us. What he can do is get a place in our life. We're going to talk more about that in depth later but if you will look at the blessings that God has given you and keep your mind on them and realize, because as holiness people, we have wrapped our, our, our and I, this is not a negative towards externals. I believe in them. I believe in dressing holy. I believe in looking holy. I believe in all. You know I do. I preach that. I, I believe that. But we've gotten so wrapped up in that, in holiness movement, that we focused on so much that we didn't do. And we... we Anytime anybody preached a message that was the privileges of God or, or the power of God, that you can live a life that pleases God and you can have power to, to live above this and, and your life should be one of joy because we were just kind of sanctified, soaked, and soured. You know, that's just kind of what, it's just kind of sad. And just that, that life was, I, I just given up so much for God and there's no joy. What have you given up for God? And if you did, wouldn't it be a good trade? I never found anybody going away from a, from a good deal saying, oh, that was terrible, you know. I mean, oh, I just feel so bad. And I, I, th that guy, that truck was worth $1,000 and he gave me $10,000. I just feel really bad about that. I don't think so. Man, if you go away and you get a good deal, you go away snappy. Woohoo! Man, I got a good deal. Well, I'm going to tell you, you got more than a good deal at Calvary, all right? And it wasn't a deal. I understand that. But just for a way of speaking, God has given us blessings. God has guaranteed us things that if we are faithful to Him, He will do His part. He will come through. He will bring us through. And our life can be one of joy. Our life can be one of strength and power and victory in Jesus Christ. It should never be one of defeat. It should never be one of, 
moping sad because I've given up this and I have to go through this and I have to do this. I mean, the Bible says the love of God is to keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. They're not a burden. They're a blessing. Okay, so you got these blessings and there's this blessing of possession or position rather that we're talking about. And you've got, to, you've got to focus on this. And he says, he's raised us up together to sit together with Christ, he says, or in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So when Christ died, he was buried, he raised from the dead, and then he was resurrected and he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he sits at the right hand of God. He makes the statement in Matthew 24 that all power, Matthew 28, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. All power. Heaven and earth, everything is given unto Jesus Christ. He has complete, supreme, sovereign authority as the God-man at the right hand of the throne of God. And that's where he sits. To sit here is to sit in power. It's to sit in authority. He sits at the right hand, and he says he's made us to sit with him. Well, what does that mean? Now, I can tell you all power hasn't been given to me. It does not mean that because I sit with Christ that I now have all power in my possession. I do not have all power in my possession, but I do have access to His all power. I can pray to Him so that He can move and He can work and He can act. So I sit there with Him. But again, what is this idea? The idea of sitting, ruling, reigning. Christ sits, he rules, he reigns, he has all power, he has all authority, and he governs. And we sit with him there in that position of authority and government. What does that mean? What are we governing? What are we ruling? What do we sit over? What do we reign over? Because we do reign, and we're going to talk about that. So I want you to see what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God has all of a sudden put all the earth under my control. It doesn't mean that he's placed all the church under, or, or the, the world under all the church's control. It doesn't mean that, that God took the apostles and lifted them up and, and the rest of the church. And then now he's got there. He's the sovereign and we're, we're sovereigns of the earth. No, we're not the earth sovereign of the earth. There's one sovereign and that's Jesus Christ. But we sit with him. There is something that we gain and it's more than access. There's something that we gain by by sitting and ruling with Jesus Christ, that you and I are reigning with Him. There is a blessing that comes out of this that, that becomes uh, an immediate possession in our life as virtue of being saved. We sit with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. What does that mean? Let's talk about it. Well, to know that, you're going to have to understand some things about who God created you to be. So let's look at that. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Take your Bible, please, Genesis chapter 1, and let's look at verse 26 on who God has made us to be. Why has he created us? What is our purpose in this world? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Notice he said, let us make man and let them, not let him have dominion, let them have dominion. This is something that speaks to men and women. Men and women together, not just men. So God called Adam, all right? Adam is the word. It comes from the Hebrew word Adama, which is earth. You're made from the earth. You're, you're, Adam was made from the dust, 
from the ground. Adama, he's Adam from Adama. But, but it wasn't just man. When he said, let us make man, God called both of us man. He called the man and the woman man. God did not call Eve, Eve. Adam gave her that name. God didn't give her that name. Adam gave her that name. Adam having authority over her gave her her name in that regards. We still do that somewhat in our marriages in America. The wife takes the husband's last name is how we show it. The fact that he has authority, her name changes because when you can name something, it's an indication you have authority over it. You name your children, you name your pets. I've said that before. Uh, and you name your cow and, it, and you know, it's, you've got authority over your cow. But nevertheless, the idea here is that he calls them both man, and, uh, and then he says that, uh, let them have dominion. There it is. He's going to make this man, the man and woman in his image, after all, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, so here he said again, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God creates this earth, the heavens and the earth. But on this planet, he didn't give dominion over stars. He didn't give dominion over planets. On this planet... Everything that God made, he made it, and then he created the man, and he put the man in charge of it. He did. He put the man in charge of the cows. He put the man in charge of the birds. He put the man in charge of the beast of the field. He put the man in charge of the reptiles. He put the man's in, man in charge of a skeeter. <laughs> a lot of folks say he wish you'd have squashed that one on the ark. Yeah, I know that. But I reckon they got a purpose, so they feed bats. And nevertheless, uh, uh, he, he put the man in charge of this and the man in charge of that. Everything on the earth, he said, over all the earth. So God made the man, he made the earth, he made the man, and he subjugated the earth to man. He said, subdue the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. Take charge, this is your place. Now let's go over here. To the Psalms, please. Psalm um, 8. Let's go to Psalms 8. What should be our attitude towards such a thing? So the earth is still under the dominion of men. That's kind of the problem, isn't it? You say, you mean God's not in control? No, I didn't say that. God's in ultimate control. So he'll put the brakes on when the brakes need to be put on. He will uh, let kings rise to power that he wants to rise to power. He can still put down nations and rise, raise up nations. But, but the earth sits under the realm and the reign of men. Under God responsible to God, accountable to God, subject to God. So God is sovereign, but men rule in the earth. And God doesn't come down and, and, and always, He doesn't come down and stop sin. That's what we think He ought to do. Why doesn't God stop the abortion? Why doesn't God stop this? Why doesn't God stop that? Well, there's a lot of reasons we can go into all of that, but I will tell you one thing. Sin at its root is all the same. 
The root of sin is self-centered living. Now, it takes a lot of forms, okay? It takes the form of a mass murder. It can take the form of abortion. It can take the form of drugs and alcohol. It can take the form of a respectable, social, moral person who refuses true religion, who refuses Christ, but they are a good neighbor, so to speak, is what we would call them. And they are an upstanding citizen in the nation. It can take a lot of forms, but if God is going to stop one form of selfishness, He's got to shut down all forms of selfishness because it's in principle, it is all the same. So here is God reigning over the earth, but He takes the earth and He puts it under the man. And then we're going to see this expressed another place in Scripture. Psalm 8, listen to this. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Now Christ will quote that over in, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, I believe, when he talks about when he's going into Jerusalem. And uh, the, you know, the children are crying out to him, Hosanna, blessed he that comes in the name of the Lord. He said, have you not heard out of the mouth of babes and sucklings there's praise perfected? And here's the idea. It's simply, you know, God still takes the simple things and confounds the mighty. He just does that. God really doesn't deal with us in complex ways. He'll take something simple and confound the world with it. <laughs> I mean, he'll take a, he'll take a child and... Uh, and with that child, you know, it, it, was, it was a little boy's lunch that fed the 5,000 men and women, okay? We got a little boy here, and he's got some food with him. All right, give me that little boy's lunch, and I'll, I'm going to feed the 5,000. With God just does this. He takes simple things, and he just does touches, and it becomes magnificent. He said, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? that thou art mindful of him, and the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, once over passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. David understood that he had a position and that God had given it to him that man was created to govern in this earth. And he says, Lord, I, I sit out here and he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic. How excellent, how, how high, how, how wonderful is your name in all the earth. He says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you, you have stilled the voice of the enemy. God has taken children and spoken things and, and done things. And, and, you know, not only babes sometimes in size and, and age, but how many sometimes babes, newborn Christians, just those who are simple in the world, God takes him and does mighty things with him. It's an amazing thing that this God is. But he says this. He says, Lord, I'm out here and I'm considering 
the works of thy hands. He's staring up and he looks at the stars. I mean, the sky is filled with them. They're obviously vast and massive and, and they're shining. I mean, like clockwork, they come out every night. And the sun and the moon, I mean, the regularity of it, the, the power of it and, 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 and its effect upon the earth. Take the moon away, we're toast, okay? Take the sun away, we're done. I mean, the, the stars, we've got to have all of that uh, because that sun is the center of the, of the, of the solar system that, and, and, and the, the, you, our world, if I should say, we revolve around that. But he said, I look at that, the work of your hands, the work of your fingers, and then I'm thinking, what is man? What is it in this man that, that you visit him, that you deal with him, you, you think about him, you use him, and you made him lower than the angels. I mean, angels are, are much greater in intellect. They're greater in ability. They're greater in power. They're greater in, in so many ways. And you take this little piece of terrestrial human flesh and you set that man over this big ball. All the beasts of the field... Think about it. The ostrich, the giraffe, the rhino, the hippo, the deer, the squirrel, the rabbit, the bird, the bee. All of it is in our power to possess, to use, to tame, to eat, to, to service. It's all there and we're in charge of it. The ground under your feet, we're in charge of it. Okay. We buy it, we sell it, we use it, we dig in it. The coal is ours. You know, there's nobody, I mean, everybody gets, you, hey, you go out there and you find your buy land, you dig in the ground, you, you get coal, you don't have to, oh, God charges me a tax on this, you know, I got to buy this from God. We don't buy it from God, we, we buy it from one another. It's all ours. God put this whole planet under man. And what is it that we rule? Mentions here, we rule, there's several things that man is going to govern. What is under man? Now, God is not under man. All right? Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, will use this phrase over in Hebrews chapter, chapter 2. We'll read that maybe here in a moment. But, but here, here it is. What is it that you and I are called upon to govern? Number one, obviously we govern the animal kingdom. He said that over cows, all of that. We govern the animal kingdom. Secondly, we govern each other, right? So that there are governments instituted in the world. Let's look at another verse. Flip back to Genesis, please, chapter 9. Genesis, chapter 9, when God institutes this after the flood. Now, he's giving him instruction God is giving instruction to Noah after the flood, basically repeating what he had told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Same thing that he said to them, he's saying basically to Noah, multiply and fill this earth. And again, the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon um, all that moveth upon the earth and upon the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. And every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb and things... And, even as the green herb, have I given you all things. Now, there, may, there appears to be some change between the relationship between the beast and man, between before the flood and after the flood, but no change in the dominion. He had dominion before the flood. He has dominion after the flood. 
All right. Now he says the fear will be upon you. It may be that the creatures were not as fearful of man before the flood. And um, it it may have been that there was some abuse going on there. But also we notice that now before the flood, God only gave them in the Adam. They only ate the herbs. Okay, the herbs of the field, if you want to say it with an H or not, the herbs of the field and, and, and the green things. When God put Adam in the garden, he said he could eat of every tree. He didn't tell him he could eat the cow. He didn't give him the privilege of eating meat. He gave him the privilege of eating plants. You can eat of every tree of the garden, but you can't eat. He didn't tell him he could have the, he can have the beast to eat. But now, after the flood, God says you can eat the beast. Well, to do that, he's also going to put a fear upon them. So some, you know, it's not going to be that he can just go hog wild with that. Uh, but nevertheless, my point is, is there's still dominion. That is still taking place. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. In verse 5, And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it. And at the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Remember, God made us in his image. Why? To govern. And here he says, now God's going to institute a new thing, if you will, because this has not been before. When Cain killed Abel, Adam was not able to kill Cain. There was no civil authority on the earth whenever uh, God created man at first. There was no civil authority. And Adam, though he disliked it, he did not like what Cain had done. He did not have any rules on how to deal with a murderer. What do you do when your son kills your other son? God didn't tell him. God dealt with Cain himself. God comes down and puts a punishment upon Cain. And Cain is running, of course. He's going to be a, a, a nomad, someone. He's not going to uh, uh, be so settled. Folks are going to come after him, and God puts a mark upon him uh, because everybody in the earth is his family. Everybody's related. I mean, they're all brothers and sisters, okay? And sons, daughters, grandsons, whatever. That's what they are. They're all related. And Cain, now it's known that Cain has killed Abel. And there's probably not a massive amount of people at this time. And so everywhere he goes, he says, you know, folks are going to take vengeance. There was a sense that people understood something needs to be done. They knew it was wrong. Cain knew it was wrong. A brother has killed a brother. What do you do about that? But God is not going to give the power of the sword to the family. You can spank your child, but you can't kill your child. All right? Abortion's wrong. He doesn't give us the power to take the life of our children. We're allowed to correct them. We're allowed to discipline. But we can't take their life. Even if they commit a crime, we're not responsible for taking their life. That deals with civil authority. So after the flood, God says, now if a man sheds another man's blood, basically God says, I'm not going to come down and directly deal with him like I did with Cain. You deal with him. You now can slay him. You now can shed his blood. If he sheds another man's blood, you can now come and you can shed his blood because you have been made in my image. So here is man that has now this authority and this dominion over one another. And so it is seen throughout. First of all, there's family authority and and the the man rules over his household. That authority is obviously limited. limited. It doesn't uh, uh, include the power of the sword. It's the power to discipline. It's the power to lead. Uh, It's an authoritative power to command service and and obedience. But, But it doesn't have the power to execute. It doesn't have civil power. But then God creates civil authority in the earth 
and now he gives this to man, and man is now responsible for crimes against humanity. Man now governs over men. They've been doing it in a family. It's now extended to civil authority, and we even now have that in the church, each having its own sphere of authority and its own sphere of jurisdiction. Now, understanding that, so we rule, first of all, over the beast of the field, over this planet, the physical thing, not over the elements. We don't rule the wind. We don't rule the sun. We can't control. I mean, God intervenes. He can do what he wants to, obviously. I understand that. But you and I don't have the ability to go out on a day when, man, it's raining out there. I planned a picnic for today. Well, I've got authority over that. Hey, rain, you got to go away today. I'm having a picnic. I got a picnic planned. You you can come back a little bit later. We can't do that. I mean, obviously, I know if that was the purpose of God, you could pray and God can do that. But God did not give us authority over the elements, the, the elements of nature. But he gave us authority over the living beast in the earth and the ground itself that we possess And then he gave us authority over each other. Certain individuals will have authority over other individuals. Family, church, civil authority. Second, thirdly, we reign over ourselves. This is the biggest one. We reign over ourselves. God doesn't make you serve him. He doesn't make you do good. He doesn't make you do evil, obviously. And he doesn't make you do good. Even the devil can't make you do evil. You got to choose that yourself. He can tempt you. He can proposition you. He can encourage you to do it. But the devil, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do anything. Not even sinners. Now, sometimes he can possess people and, and he does possess some. But, but even with that, there are limitations. That upon that, the devil does not have the power. Notice, the devil has never been given the earth. It's not his. He doesn't have authority over the beast. He doesn't have an authority over this. That's ours. It's given to us. The only way the devil can get in and work with it is when we allow him to. And the biggest thing it comes to is because we don't govern ourselves. And we'll say it again, get it. So you reign, three areas. Number one, over the beast, the animal kingdom, we reign. Number two, we reign over other men. Number three, we reign over ourselves. Your faculties are in your control. Your mind is yours to control. Your hands are yours to control. Your eyes are yours to control. Your feet are yours to control. Your emotions are yours to control. You reign over them. That's your place. That's what God intended. He put you in a position of authority from the beginning when he placed man upon this earth. It's yours. It's over you. You govern it. You're made in God's image. But in order for man to govern rightly, And to govern as God governs, he needs God's character. You're not going to properly exercise God's authority and govern as God governs unless you have God's character. That's where the problem came in. Adam falls. We get kicked out of the garden. Every one of us fell. And so, quite frankly, it appears that man didn't do too good over the animals. Sin comes into the picture. How well have we done with the animal kingdom? Not too well. Sometimes we do okay with it, but a lot of times there's abuse. Or we go too far the other way and we worship. We're doing a lot of that today. Yeah, we worship. Our pets have, the same, have a higher status than our children. 
I, I, don't take offense at what I'm about to say, but it, it, it's just a sign of where our culture is going. Man, you can take your, your pets anywhere anymore. They can go where you don't, because I don't go if they get COVID, right? Dog doesn't have to wear a mask yet. He can go to Walmart without a mask. How about that, you know? You, know, you can go in the grocery store, and folks can have their pet dog sitting in the cart that you're going to use to get your groceries with. And they're worried about COVID. Yeah. I mean, I go in, I go in Lowe's, and I'm like, I turn around, I put, there's a dog down there sniffing at my leg. You know, are you, I'm just, what in the world? I come here to get a two before, not a pet terrier. It's just that, they just go everywhere with them. They do everything with us. So you've got dog hotels, you've got dog cats. I mean, you can, you, you've got vets, you've got life insurance, you've got funeral insurance, you've got burial insurance. I've got a cremator, all right, if you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, you've got, you've got all of these things. And, you know, some of that, maybe that has its place. But what we have come to do is we've come to worship it. God's not against you having a pet. He is against you taking that and making it equal with humanity. Dogs and children should not have the same rights. Dogs and children should not be loved with the same love. I have the authority to shoot my dog if it gets lame, not my kid. If the dog gets sick and terminally ill... It's okay to shoot it. This goes out, I'm going to get in trouble for sure, isn't it? You know? <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'll never do that. Well, you know, that's what you did. It's what you did in years ago. The horse went lame, you put it down. The cow got sick. If the dog got sick when I was growing up, we didn't carry dogs to the vets. I'm not telling you you're sinning if you do that, all right? Brother Woods didn't say that. That was not my point. Here's my point. We have the authority that we can take authority over that. And um, again, we didn't take animals to the vet. If something happened and they got down, you, you, if you couldn't do it, you called the neighbors. I've had folks call me before. I can't shoot my dog. Can you shoot it for me? It's a, yeah, okay. I had a man do that for me one day. I'm just down there working in Fayetteville in the office down there. And I, one of the brothers came in. He said, brother, my dog, I think it was a beagle or something. He said, uh, she's went down. He said, can you put it down for us? It's okay. I've never seen this dog before. <laughs> it's okay. So we go out in the woods behind the church and he digs a hole. He puts his dog, dog can't even move, it's still alive. He puts it down in the hole and he pulls out this big 357 Magnum. I said, what in the world do you want me to do, brother? Blow the thing to pieces. And so I thought he's going to get a little 22 or something. He's going to shoot the dog. It's going to be over with. So I took the big 357 Magnum. I killed the dog and we buried it. And, uh, you know, just, just you put it down. But you can do that with the dog, but you can't do that with your mama. Oh, yeah. You can't do that with your neighbor. That's not allowed. Right. We don't put, but we're doing it. We call euthanasia and mercy killing, whatever you want to do, and get down and we say, you're terminally ill, you're not going to live good, so we'll give you some little juice in your arm and you will just go off to sleep and life will be so good. No, but we will take animals and we will lift them up to a higher plane. Yeah. Kill our babies, but not our pets. Oh, 
Sin has messed up our dominion and our ruling, our thinking, our reason has went sour. And we're worshiping beast. Having relationships with them. Beastality is at a high in our land. It's going on far more than you think it is. It's happening across this country. Wickedness. Wickedness. We've turned the image of the glorious God into something made like unto the creation. Worship the creature more than the creator. And so we've not done too well with that. We haven't done too well ruling over each other, have we? Husbands aren't doing well in their homes. Fathers aren't doing well over their children. Governments aren't doing well over the people of the land. Business owners don't do too well over theirs. Go to every realm. Church leaders don't do very well in their leadership. And it's just all over. Look at every area where we have dominion. And when sin enters into the picture, we don't reign as we're supposed to reign. Because if you don't have God's character, you're not going to properly exercise God's power and authority. And then how are we doing with ourselves? Didn't do too good with that one either, did we? Our flesh runs off with us. Our emotions run off with us. The guy can't govern his eyes. And so he cheats on his wife. He can't govern his hands, so he's touching what he shouldn't touch. He can't govern his appetite, so he's just he's went crazy with that. He can't govern govern his his uh, thoughts, and so his mind is filled with wicked thoughts and evil imaginations and things that he shouldn't be thinking. He can't govern his thoughts, so he treats other people wrong, and and, uh, and whole mess comes out of that. Because when sin enters into the picture, you fall from that holy character, and you don't do well. You don't do well in ruling. Let's watch this now. Let's go over to Psalm 82, please. The same idea and a portrait of sin entering into the picture and what happens. I want to read this, and I want to tie this with the verse in John, and maybe that'll at least get some foundation laid here today. Listen to Psalm 82. This will be quoted by Christ. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. Now, I'm going to do something here. I'm going to read something to you. When I read this passage, I want to read it using a, a term in the Hebrew. I think you understand. How many folks have heard of the term Elohim? Elohim is the almighty God. It is the creator God. All right. But it's also a term. It's just a general, plural. It is plural. It's general plural term for any deity. All right? It's a general term applying to deity. And to get the sense of this passage, when that word appears in the passage, I wanted to read it as Elohim so you will get the sense. Elohim standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the Elohim. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, ye are Elohim. And all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die 
like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O Elohim, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Watch what's happening in this. Here's what's happening. So it begins this by talking about Elohim. What is he? He stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the Elohim, indicating he is the supreme Elohim. But there are Elohim under him. He judges among them. He stands among the mighty. He is most high. He sits above it all. But there is Elohim under him. And he talks about them judging. Now, God, he presents God as supreme judge. And then he speaks about the lower yellow Elohim, which are men. And he said, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? So again, here's God. He's created man in his own image. And he said, have dominion, rule, judge, make judgments, do what's right, govern properly. What happens? Does men do it? No. They judge wrongly. He said, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy and rid them out of the hand of the wicked. So he says to him, you're Elohim. You're gods. You have a position of judgment. You have a position of authority. Do it right. Judge properly. Take care of the afflicted. Take care of the needy. Don't give favor to the wicked. Don't mess with the judgment and, and, and compromise it. You, you've just, you're doing it wrong, he says. They don't know. They don't understand. They walk in their darkness. He said, all the foundations of the earth are moved. They're out of course. They're out of joint. They're out of place. What are the foundations of the earth? You should know that I was in my class, boy. Didn't I talk to you? Didn't I talk to you about that? Maybe that was another class. You got off on that one. I think that was another class. I'm sorry. I teach so many classes these days, I forget where I said that at. What are the foundations? Remember the Psalm or Psalm 11 when he said that the wicked bend their bow and they said, if the foundations be removed, what can the righteous do? What are the foundations of our society? Tell me. Here's what he said here. You got bad judgment and all the foundations are messed up. They're moved. They're crumbling. They're shaking. Huh? Yeah, that's a foundation. God's law, God's law is a foundation of society. You build a society on God's law. That's what our Constitution sought to do. That's what our early founding fathers sought to do. Build a society based on God's law. Get rid of God's law, you get rid of a foundation. What else? How do you build a just society? To build a just society, you've got to have something to build on. You need foundation. You first of all need the foundation of God's law. Give me some other things. Thank you. You're the one I taught. You better know it. Now I was in a, was in a discipleship class with that family right there. How you got out of it. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> exactly. How about family? 
You can't build a just society without a nuclear family, a mother, a father, and children. All right? It's not a mother, a mother, and children. Or a father, a father. Or a man, a man. And a monkey and a dog. That doesn't constitute a human family. A God-ordained family. The foundation of any just, healthy society is a healthy home. A family in order. A mother and a father and children. What else? Yes. You cannot have a society without proper government. Government itself is a foundation. A consistent government. A government that is just. A government that is based on God's law. A government that rules knowing and understanding its proper jurisdiction and its proper role. Government is a necessity. It is a foundation of society. How about the church? Particularly since the church has come to existence. If you ignore the church and you push away the church in any society, you are moving a foundation. Education is a foundation. Has to have a basis, yes, but you educate. If you do not educate people, if you do not educate children, if you do not teach them things, they need to know their history. They need to know uh, and have a desire to learn. They need to understand science. They need to understand how things work. How are you going to build, you know? If you don't understand about how things fit together and how things work and come together, you can't keep things going. It'd be nice to have smart enough kids that could be able to do and keep good businesses to keep us going when we get old, huh? Amen. Thank you. Somebody's got to do the work when we sit and we get old and we sit around and we can't do it anymore. Somebody's got some smarts and has learned something out there. So your educational institutions are a foundation of society. And let's just take those for a moment, all right? We got the family. We got the law of God. We got civil government. We got the church. We have got educational institutions. These are foundations in a society. I'm going to ask you, are the foundations in this country crumbling? Or have they maybe already crumbled? We've ignored God's law. We're trying to erase that everywhere. Get rid of it. We don't want to build on God's law. We took it out of our schools. We want to take it out of our government. We don't want to base our court decisions on it. Get rid of the law of God. Our civil government, who knows what's even happening in that today? I'm like, my mind is is just going bonkers. I've been praying, God, I really would like to know what's going on. Did did this uh, President Trump really win the election or not? And and, and honestly, I, I know we conservatives, we tend to believe the conservative side, but honestly, are you going to stand and tell me that you believe everything Republicans tell you? They're just as much crookedness on that side as there is the other side. It's one of the reasons they don't yell too loud because they all got a bunch of skeletons in their closet. And they know that they'll get found out and they're a little under. If you think there aren't Republicans on Capitol Hill getting some feedback under the table, it's happening, buddy, all the time, just as well as Democrats. Now, some might be more radical in their agenda, but the fact of the matter is, I I don't know who to believe God, but I would like to know that. I would like truth to prevail. I would like to see and know that if this one, Lord, if this man truly won that office and that is the legitimate vote of America, then so be it. Let that stand. 
But I ask you, who do we believe? Court makes their decision not based on law or precedent, but based on what's popular. They take the culture's temperature to see. Oh, Lucy, do I rule this way or that way today? Oh, if I rule this way, I think people will like me. Or if I, I will get, you know, favors done. Or if I don't rule that way, oh, people will not like me and I won't be a good judge. And the media will come against me. Half of it. You know, it's ridiculous. You got to take a poll to find out how to vote. Don't have a conscience. You don't have any biblical conviction or moral conviction. You've got to take the temperature of the populace to know which way you're going to take and what judgment you're going to make. How are we doing with our prison system? I mean, now it's defund the police. And we got our whole government's going haywire. We've got we've got we've got governors that are absolutely tearing their cities down, locking them down right now. They're destroying their own people. How about the foundation of the church? How good's that one doing? We're not doing too hot there, are we either? No, the churches went sour. The problem is not the immorality in the world. It's the immorality in the church. The problem is not the homosexuality that's going on in the LGBTQ that's in the world. It's the LGBTQ that's in the church. I would feel very safe in this country right now and very good if every bona fide Christian church would stand up and say, homosexuality and lesbianism is a sin. It will not be tolerated in this pulpit. It will not be promoted from this pulpit. It will be preached against and every one of them will be called to repentance and we will not compromise it. It would be enough light to go across this land to have a safe... It would be at least one foundation, John, that was sure. But it's crumbled. How about our homes? Oh, they're in real good shape, aren't they? Yeah. Divorce is rampant. Adultery is rampant. People don't even get married anymore. For the most part, people aren't getting married. You can go to other countries in Sweden and places people live together years and, and they, have, um, they have something called a... a civil union or common law marriage or something like that and they don't even get married in America just try it out you come together there's no shame to it anymore there's no stigma against it there's nothing thought bad about it you know I mean a guy can go out a son can go out bring his girlfriend home and sleep with the girlfriend in his own parents house and nothing's thought about it who's in charge of the home mom dad kids probably the dog You know, it's, it's all messed up. It's crumbled. It's falling apart. How about our educational institutions? Oh, we're really winning that one, aren't we? Oh, that's at least we're strong there. We teach the right things. No. Liberalism, humanism, secularism is the agenda of the day. You go to a university of higher learning in this country and you can expect for your moral values to be undermined at every turn. Your belief about God, if you have any moral guidance. Your belief about God. Your belief, your moral belief about conviction. Your belief about gender. Your belief about marriage. About whether you're a man or whether you're a woman. I am telling you right now, the educational institutions of this country are absolute nothing but junk. The foundations are all out of joint. They're out of course, he said. God looks down. And he's having to judge now. He's put the worth under man's, uh, man's command. 
And he's got foundations to build on. He's got God's law. He's got the family. God's given him the family. God's given him civil government. God's given him the church. God's given him education and institutions that man can form that will aid him in building a just and, and healthy society, a moral society. But what does man do? He corrupts everyone. He destroys the foundations. He builds on the sand. And I'm telling you, God looks down and he's fixing to shake the earth and he's fixing to shake the heavens. And if you ain't built on the right foundation, your house is coming down because the storm of God's wrath is coming and it's going to bring the house down and men are going to be destroyed. And God says, I looked down and said, you're Elohim, you're sons of the Almighty. You got the stamp of my nature upon you. What is going wrong? Because we have sinned against God and we have said we will be our own gods and we want to try to live it and reign it apart from God's foundations. You can't build a society unless you use the found, a healthy society unless you use the foundations that God has given us. We want to build it on humanism. We want to build it on some social agenda. We want to build it on our idea of a family. Me and the cat and Brother Nat. You know, that's it. That's my family. And we're a family. And you, anybody can be a family. and Anybody can do this. No, I'm just going to flat out tell you, it ain't going to work. It's going to fall apart. And God says, what's wrong with you? you? You haven't judged. And he says, I have told you, you are God's. Because God created us to rule. He gave us everything we needed to do it. He made us in His image. He stamped us. He's given us the mind, the conscience, and the ability. He's, he gave us the foundations. But we leave the foundations, we turn our back on God, and we don't rule as God rules. Christ came to restore what man destroyed. He came and I will tell you, his education is the right education. He upholds the family. Christ comes. He didn't become a civil governor, but he rules right now. He lived the life that God wanted us to, him to live. And then God put him over it. And he came to make you sit with him and bring you back so that you can rule and rule rightly. We'll talk about that maybe in another message. Maybe next Sunday morning we'll talk about that. I wanted you to see, first of all, you were made to govern. We were made to have dominion over ourselves, over others, over the animal kingdom. We were given foundations in order to build upon, build a just society, build a righteous society. But we moved the foundations and destroyed them We've sinned and rejected God's authority. And the result of that is, is we have built a house of cards that cannot withstand the storm. And it's all going to fall apart. Whew. There's sometimes I'm really hoping that the Democrats get in there. It might be the last chance we got. What are you talking about? If we can survive it for two years, let them have it for two years. And let the thing fall apart at the seams. 
maybe it would be enough to wake up a country and say, this is bad. That social agenda they said where everything was free isn't good. I don't know. I don't have the answers. But I have a God. You see, man, man can mess it up so bad. How do you even fix it? Well, I'll tell you where it begins. You go to Calvary. You turn from your sin and you turn back to Jesus and you come to sit with him and you'll learn again to reign.